I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. With us today is Daisy Altieri. She is an associate pastor at New Life Covenant Church and is responsible for overseeing all of the teaching ministries. She is also the director of counseling at a private university in the city of Chicago, a role she has served in for the last 17 years. Daisy has been married to her amazing husband, Pastor Rico Altieri, for 32 years, and he is the executive pastor of New Life Covenant Church. Together, they have two daughters who are married to God-loving men. Well, I want to welcome you, welcome you to the Courageous Podcast today. Thank you, Madeline. I'm so blessed to be here. I look forward to our conversation and what God will do with that conversation as we move forward. So thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. You are very welcome. I'm excited. So when I was thinking about having you on, I was thinking about something intimate and, and kind of private that you had been through several years ago. And I know that when people are impacted by a diagnosis or a health issue, it's very, very difficult. And you kind of don't know what to do, what to say, where to go. And so I wanted you to take us on that journey to kind of share what you went through many years ago and walk us through that diagnosis that you got so long ago. In September uh, of 2014, I was, I had gotten up really early. Both my husband and I went out to do a training for a church group. You know, things were fairly normal. I thought to myself at some point during the day, I'll lie down for a few minutes. I also had, I was in graduate school in seminary at the time. I was in my last academic year and I had a paper due, an extensive paper due, which I had already started, but the bulk of the work would be finished on that Saturday. And I thought I'll come home, eat something, get some rest, and then get on the paper. And that's all I'll do for the rest of the day. What happened following that was unusual. So I came home, started to eat. The food was not necessarily laying well in my stomach. So what I did was I decided I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to lie down because resting or sleeping for a few minutes right now takes priority. So I did that. And so in my living room, I laid down. My younger daughter was upstairs in her room. I was on the first floor of our home, uh, lying down on the couch. My husband was watching television in the basement. And I laid down. I was asleep maybe 20, 25 minutes when I startledly woke up and realized, wait a minute, I have a paper. Do I need to get to that? And so I sat up on the couch and then I decided I need to kind of shake off this tiredness or this sleepiness that I have on me. Nothing really felt unusual. You know, it was just, I was a tired woman. And then I got up, I picked up my cell phone and all of a sudden I started to feel a little dizzy and I put the phone down on the railing of the stairs because I thought quickly, I don't want to drop my phone and break it. 
So I put it down. And that was the last thing that I remember doing. After that, the next memory that I have is my husband and my daughter over me and I was lying on the floor. So I had lost consciousness. I don't know necessarily for how long it was a few minutes, according to my husband. Uh, I was not speaking. At that time, I was totally out. And so I didn't want to go to the doctor. I just thought, this is just tiredness. I'll lie down. I actually finished my paper, got it in before midnight on that Saturday, took a shower, did all those things, ate And I thought, I'm just going to get some rest. And I did that. My husband did not allow me to go anywhere. My daughter stayed with me the whole weekend just to watch over me. And on Monday, I decided I'm getting up. I'm going to work. I'll call the doctor, make an appointment because my husband was insisting. And I thought, I'll do that. I never got to it at work. When I got home, that was the first question my husband asked me. And I had to, of course, say, no, I didn't call. I didn't have time all day. And I finally called because he would not let me not call. So I called the doctor. Once I told the nurse why I wanted the appointment with the doctor, she reprimanded me because she said, you know, this is something that you go to the hospital for if you lose consciousness. And I thought, well, yeah, but I feel fine. And she said, it doesn't matter. You know, you really needed to have gone to the ER the moment it happened. How are you feeling now? We did all of that. She did the assessment there, scheduled me for an appointment with another doctor. So, you know, I went in to see the doctor. They tested my blood, my heart. Those preliminary tests came back just fine. But he wanted to do more intense and more intervening physically. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that, that it was a lot deeper than I had thought, you know, at this point, they were going to plug things in my head and, you know, uh, attach me to giant machines, um, spinal tap, those types of things. And I'm wondering what is going on here? (laughs) You know, this didn't seem like a big deal to me. You're like, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm (laughs) feeling fine. You know, and that isn't that what we do. We go sometimes by the feeling we We just stop there, you know, as opposed to looking a little deeper. So I started that whole thing. It also happens that uh, when most of these tests were going to be done, because I had refused to do anything during the Christmas season, I just did not want to deal with doctors and diagnoses or whatever they might find. I didn't know at the time. And I said, okay, I'll restart this process in January. So that was January 2015. Uh, Once the holidays were over, I started, I was also my last semester in seminary. And so during that last semester is when I have to write my thesis, which is a full time job in itself. I also was working and, uh, and I have a family, I have relationships that are very important to me. And I have friends and all of those things. And I have ministry that I was still involved in. Madeline, I've always kind of operated in this superwoman place, you know, this this superwoman frame. I'm sorry, you yeah. took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. You're like talking, and in my mind, I'm saying superwoman, superwoman, superwoman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just, it. you know, and you get to the point where you're so able to do it, you know, yeah. and you think you've got it that. It's like, and it's normal. And it's normal. It is my life. You know, this is what it looks like. And other people around me now have come to expect that, 
you know, mommy mm-hmm. can do anything. My wife can do anything. She can yes. do everything. So, um, so it was during that time. Well, then I had to make room for all of these medical procedures and uh, they're time consuming. You know, there were a lot of days where I had to take off from work, but I could not stop the work on my thesis because I had a goal and there was a, a timeline to it. So I had a lot of work to do. And at that point, it was, you know, something's going to get me through this. I, you know, I am a woman of faith. I've called on God for many things. Many situations have brought me to the feet of Jesus. I know that. And, and I know I can always go there and I can always find my strength there. But as long as I can pull from my own strength, my own knowledge, I'm going to pull as much as I can. Right. So here I am dealing with the internal unrest for me. It was an internal questions. It was an internal doubt, you know, that I had to go through and process for myself. So, right. And so what happened when you finally got that diagnosis? Well, my birthday is February 5th. And I thought, oh, the last thing I want is an official diagnosis on my birthday. So I actually believe the diagnosis came a few days after I believe I was scheduled to meet with a neurologist February 8th. And I, I walk into the office with my husband. I'm a bit nervous about it, but there's a part of me that just operated in almost a denial phase, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, nah, not me. Nothing's wrong with me. They're all just yeah. going to find out that I'm fine, that this just was one, you know, standalone moment and that it doesn't mean anything. So I go in and there's an intern, a resident intern, and he assumed that I knew about the MS. Mm. So he started to talk as if I had known. And I looked at him. I asked him, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, with a diagnosis of MS. And I, again, I looked at him. My husband looked at me. How did Mm. we come to I have MS? And the look on his face, it was one of those moments where, you know, if I could, if I could literally be swallowed up by the earth, Mm -hmm. I want that this moment is what he looked like. The expression on his face looked like. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, he didn't realize that I didn't know. Nobody had called me. Nobody had told me prior um, to this. So finding out was a silencer for me. It just Mm -hmm. kind of made me silent. Um, And I didn't know what to say. I, Mm -hmm. I felt for him because I knew that he realized he had made a mistake. Right. Yes. And then for me was, I don't know what to say. My husband, I'm looking to my husband and he's also in disbelief. He doesn't know what to say. And for me, MS, all I knew, Madeline, at that point was the MS that I knew from television, from movies, you know, just kind of media and, and the news. I didn't know it personally. I didn't know anyone uh, with the diagnosis, I didn't know anyone who was directly connected in any way uh, to the diagnosis. Mm. And so, again, it was silence for me. In my head, of course, starts all these questions. How the heck did this happen? Mm. Did I do something? 
Could I have not done something? I am a healthy person. Since the age of 15, I stopped drinking soda. You know, I Mm -hmm. stopped eating uh, white bread. And, you know, I'm a healthy person. I make good choices. I exercise. I've always had kind of that weight issue, but it's never been for bad food, you know. So there I am with this major diagnosis sitting in front of me. And then I thought, I need to get myself together, was my next thought. So my husband then starts to ask questions. The intern says, you know, I'm going to let the neurologist come in and she can have ongoing conversation with you. And you can ask her some questions about this. So when she came in, One of the questions that my husband, there was a lot of dialogue, but one of the questions my husband asked her was, is there anything that we can do, you know, lifestyle wise, you know, we're believers, you know, we have hope in healing, we have, and she's sitting there looking at us like we're talking a foreign language almost, (laughs) you know, like, what? Yeah, I get that. You know, I get all of that. That was her, her response. And she said, no, there's nothing you can do. There's no lifestyle change you can make. We just need to get you on medication. And I thought, oh my gosh, medication. I, you know, I rarely took a Tylenol or an Advil for things. If I had a headache, I would just lie down for a few minutes and it would be gone. Mm -hmm. I had been in the hospital to have my tonsils out when I was 10 years old and then twice Mm -hmm. again to have my first daughter and my second daughter. And that was literally it. So what am I going to do about my girls? How am I going to tell them? Because the last thing a parent wants to do, and I know you know this with your Mm. own journey, is to create an environment or fuel an environment of fear and unbelief, right? And Mm -hmm. so you as the one, you and your husband as the one your child or your children go to for strength, and fortitude, you have to be that even in circumstances that are difficult and challenging. And that's how I felt here was, oh my goodness, my girls, because I'm going to walk in through the door and they're going to be wanting to know what happened. What did the doctor say? I'm going to be bombarded. So I felt like I had to be ready for that Mm -hmm. before I even walked in the door. So how do I deal with my own feelings about this? my own physical fear about this, the prognoses that are given by neurologists, like, you know, there's nothing you can do all you can, you know, your last resort, and your only resort is medication. How can you take that and make it into a hopeful conversation with your children? It's so hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. just I'm hearing you talk about it. And, you know, the fact that your daughters are older and they're, you know, into those really critical early adult years and and they're thinking about Mm -hmm. their future and everything. Absolutely. I I can imagine how terrifying it is. And I've always thought, um, I always think like when I wasn't well, struggled with fibromyalgia for Mm -hmm. probably 17 years. And so I've always said, I don't have time to Mm. be sick. I don't have time Mm. to be in bed and be bedridden today. I have a small child or I have a teenager now that I have to take care of. And I want to see and be a part of all the things that are going to happen in his future. And so in that moment, when you get the diagnosis, you say, well, I got to fight. 
because I have a husband and I have children and I have a life and I have to fight. And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are, there are things that you still want to do. And so I know you, when you and I had talked privately, I know that you said there were some fears. You know, did you think about your, your future and, and kind of what that looked like having to deal with MS? Because you're right, the things of MS that we know or hear are like on TV or maybe you might know somebody that knows somebody. You know, when I think of MS, I think immediately of somebody in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. that's a terrible thought, right? You know, right. because that's all I knew, and I right. was like, "Wait a minute!" And I knew someone that had MS, and mm-hmm. and it was difficult, you mm-hmm. know. And so, you know, what did you think when you were thinking about your future, your girls? I'm getting married. How did you feel about your future? I definitely, all of those things were on my mind. They were in my heart. And that was part of the difficulty here. Again, you're not just thinking about you, but your life impacting so many other people, primarily, you know, your family um, and with me, my daughters. And so I'm thinking about how to navigate my own fears and then other people's fears who I care about and who are important to me. So did I start rearranging my future in my head? I sure did. I started with, I'm in my last semester of seminary here. I've got a thesis to be completed. I know I spent the last many years working up to this place, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, not just graduation, but actually having a thesis written. And so other people will refer to when they're doing their research for their work. So I'm thinking about that and I considered quitting. I considered, you know, I actually thought, well, I already have a master's degree. I already have a degree. I don't need another one. This was kind of a kind of luxury that I felt I had walked into. I also thought about things like, okay, so my house, there are stairs in my house. How do I navigate those? But here's the thing, Madeline, right? Because I'm thinking about all of those things, but I also am thinking like, wait a minute. But that's not my life right now. I don't want to lose sight of where I am right now. I am physically strong. I remember going in to see a a neurologist, not that initial one, because I had to leave that one. I needed Mm -hmm. someone who supported my faith as part of this journey and MS being part of my faith journey. I needed that. So I remember when I walked into her office and she said, you know, Daisy, you're a healthy woman. And I actually got upset with her. My tone changed (laughs) because it was like, what? What do you mean I'm a healthy woman? You know, I have a diagnosis of MS and you're going to call me a healthy woman. You know, I'm ready to fight. You know, it's like, (laughs) no, you didn't. No, she didn't say that. It wasn't until I just kind of settled and she explained a little bit in her explanation. If anyone is going to do well with this, you are. Because your changes in your lifestyle, starting at the age of 15, have brought us to this place. MS is not your fault, Daisy. It is something that happens to our autoimmune system. Mm -hmm. It is something that is triggered by many things. So it is not that Daisy made a wrong decision somewhere and said, okay, I'm going to do this and this is going to lead me to an MS diagnosis. So I do want your listeners to, to take a hold of that. We live after the fall, 
you know, that we read about in, in Genesis. After the fall, we live in a toxic world, whether that is emotional, psychological, physical, it's a toxic world. So even when we're not out looking for things, things exist. And in a normal day, you know, we're going through a pandemic right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to go look for it. It's out there. So MS was not that. It was not something that was my fault, which is part of the questions that we start asking, right? Because I asked myself, well, what did I do or what I, what didn't I do? And it's not that. So I had to get rid of that one. And it was nice to hear it from my own doctor. Um, yeah, and that's powerful. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. You need to hear that because something, you know, things happen and, and they're of no fault of our own, but immediately we think, okay. Could I have done? And it's, and I think it's part of like the control, right? Mm. You're the superwoman. You want to be in control. You're the fixer. You know, you're kind of the master of everything that's going on in your home. Right. And you have to orchestrate everything. And all of a sudden, when something happens, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Who threw a wrench into this? Exactly. You know, into my life. Who's doing this? And so, Daisy, I want you to share like some of the things that you did to to kind of get through the last several years, you know, what was your motivation to get through such a difficult adversity in your life? Well, my motivation when I was in a space in my head and my heart and my spiritual journey in a space of, I'm just getting too old for this. Mm -hmm. um, That was long before the MS diagnosis. I remember um, I went to a prayer vigil, women's prayer vigil, and I had forgotten my Bible. I knew where to where to access a Bible in the church. So I went and I got a Bible and I was crying, not again, not because of any health issues, but it was, Lord, what can I do? Because I totally do want to surrender my gifting to the kingdom. Uh, what can I do at my age? I'm getting old. The newer generation is coming forth. And do I really have something to offer? And what he led me to in that Bible, that specific Bible was Psalm 92.14. In that Psalm, it says in your old age, right? That's specifically to what I Hmm. had asked him. It's like, Lord, I'm getting old. Right. He says, in your old age, you will bear fruit. You will be fresh and healthy. Hmm. And I thought to myself, right then and there, again, I'm focused on the age, right? Because he's saying, in your old age, you're going to bear fruit. I'm focused on that. So this is what I did this time around. The latter part of that verse is, you will be fresh and healthy. I didn't have to worry about that when I was 39 years old. I was fresh and healthy. So I only dealt with the old age piece. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I went back to that very same verse where I knew God had spoken to me directly. I went to that verse and now my focus was, you will be fresh and healthy. Oh my goodness, Lord, you knew over 10 years ago, you knew that I would need this. Yes, God is not a half-hearted God. He knows our life from the beginning to the end and in our glory. He knows it all. So his word might not make sense to you at the moment, 
but it comes to completion. And that's exactly what the word says, right? The truth of God will bring us to completion. So when I look at it now, and, and Madeline, one of the things that I did, I know there, I have had strategic steps as part of my plan. And that has been this verse, Psalm 9214, is actually embroidered on my motorcycle vest. Mm. It is a constant reminder every time I put it on. I actually have it hanging so that I can see the verse on my closet door on the knob. So every time, because I go look for clothes every single Mm -hmm. day, and I have to read, I encounter the word, that specific verse every single day. I went to a prayer vigil. Uh, This was for everybody, and this was at the Humble Park campus at New Life. I went to a prayer vigil, and I was not feeling well. You know, I had now started to feel some of the symptoms um, described of MS. Because whoever tells you that MS involves no pain, that's not true. Um, There is a lot of pain involved with um, the symptoms of MS. And I remember going and being discouraged that day. In fact, that's when I went. It was one of our 5 a.m. prayers. And I went and I said, Lord, speak to me. I know Psalm 9214. I can recite it to anybody. Right. But Lord, give me a fresh word today because today I don't feel good. And so I walk in. I have my little women's retreat Bible. And in it, I have a verse. It opens up. I open up my Bible to Colossians Mm -hmm. 11. It was highlighted and it had a date on it of three years prior. Mm. Great verse. You know, one that I'm sure I used when I taught. Um, I'm sure I used to share with people. But now it had to be brought back to me. This is Mm. for you. And so it says in Colossians 1.11, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come, but you will be patient. Hmm. I Powerful. knelt at the altar. I cried and I was so grateful for this word because again, God spoke into what was going on with me that moment. So, oh boy, did I attach, I wrote a new date on that um, (laughs) in the margin in my Bible. And I said, okay, Lord, this is for me today, specifically for me. And it spoke volumes to me. So that's part of the motivation for me is, of course, I'm a believer. I love my Jesus. I've loved my Jesus since I was in college. And I found him for myself. Um, but the, the, the lens that I had been wearing for so long as a believer needed to change because I was so reliant on myself for so long in this mm. faith journey. And once I got my, my diagnosis, I honestly, I feel like there was such a shift in that this is no longer relying on yourself. This is total reliance on God. So I get up in the morning, I put my feet on the floor, and I thank God. That's awesome. They're on the floor. I can feel the floor. So I know I'm going to be able to stand up, and I'm going to be able to walk 
and to change and to get on my treadmill and do two miles. And, and to this day, that is exactly what happens. That's what happened this morning. That's amazing. I love that you shared that you just continue to go to the word mm-hmm. and that um, an old verse, you know, that ministered to you so long ago can minister to you over and over again. And, and you know, it's so simple. You know, sometimes we think we need someone to give us wisdom or to say something that's so instrumental or that's life-changing. And, and you can go into the word at any point and just say, God, give me a word, speak to me, minister yeah, to me, that's it. help me in this moment, you know, so that I can go on even today. Something as simple as you getting out of bed, right? Because I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. When I would want to get up and I would sit at the corner of the bed and say, okay, how am I going to stand today? Like, Mm -hmm. how is my body going to feel? Like, And the fact that you just have the power to get up out of your bed and stand up and just be able to take those first few steps is like, you want a marathon. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Today, I can walk and we take that for granted. And people hopefully that are listening, you know, might think that's such a simple, small thing. But for some people, it's not. On the outside, we may look like we're okay and everything's perfect and we're happy. And But people don't know that when you deal with these types of issues that you are putting on a brave face every day because God is your strength and that you have to push through and fight through because you have a life and a purpose that you still need to fill. And I love that. I love that you have that courage and that you've continued to push through every obstacle that you've been through. And so I wanted to ask, I know because you are a private person, I love that that you decided to share, you know, what? why did you decide to share finally and just kind of open up about, about this journey with, with MS? Well, a couple of reasons, but, you know, I, I think back, I, I wish I could say I've, I've been courageous since the first day. I cannot, I honestly thought my husband quickly, you know, said, okay, this is our testimony. You know, we're Mm -hmm. going to testify about this. You're going to speak to people about this. And I shy away from that. I'm a very timid, shy person, reserved, private person, you know? So for me, it was, no, I'm not going to do that. First of all, I thought I don't have it together yet. Like I don't understand it well enough. I don't want to become the MS spokesperson. So I really don't want to be that person. So he's ready to push me out in the forefront and talk about this. And I'm not. So one morning I went to church and uh, I was actually mentoring uh, a woman at church. And so I decided, okay, this is, this is going to be my kind of my test, right? I already had talked to my closest friends. And I had talked with my family, my daughters, and everybody who needed to know already knew. And so I decided I'm going to tell the very first person outside of that circle. And so I decided I'm going to tell the person I mentor, because she had asked me, like, how are you? You know, I know you've gone through some health stuff. Is everything okay? Uh, Do you know anything further? Is there anything I can pray for specifically? And I thought, okay, I'm going to tell her, Lord. I went ahead and told her. And the look on her face was so discouraging to me. I thought to myself, oh, my gosh. She started to ask 
all of the questions that I didn't want her to ask. And one of them was, how could God allow this to happen to you? Oh, my goodness. And I thought, oh, my goodness. The last thing I want is to share a story or a testimony of mine or my life journey, however we want to categorize that, and have it be a downer, have it kind of trigger questions or doubts for other people in their own faith journey. So I'm I'm not telling anybody else, you know, so some of the women I served with in church who were close and friends, but they weren't my long-term friend relationships. Mm-hmm. I decided I'm not telling anybody. So I mm-hmm. actually went a long time. I want to say maybe over a year uh, without talking about it. I would talk about it at home. I would talk about it with friends, but I would not talk about it outside. So why is it important today? And why has it been important in the last couple of years for me? And that's because there are people around us who are watching, especially if you are a pastor, you're a pastor in leadership. They're watching and they're looking at how you respond to, um, to these challenges and these difficulties. And so I'm surrounded by people who are watching me and watching how I react, how I respond. And I want to make sure that they know that in all of it, what's happened with me is that I've realized more often with more frequency, the limitations that we have, but I've also realized the unlimited desire that God has for our lives. God is more interested and more deeply invested in Daisy's calling to follow Jesus, in Daisy's anointing to speak the word of Christ than I do. His interest is bigger. He's got a kingdom to deal with. I have Daisy in Daisy's house, in Daisy's city. I have that to deal with. Amen. His work is so much bigger than mine. So I have to surrender my limitation to his unlimited desire and his strength, not mine. So that's why I wanted to talk. It's not easy. I, I'm not comfortable talking about myself. I'm not comfortable being vulnerable, but I know it's necessary. It was Jesus' vulnerability on the cross that has brought millions to salvation. It wasn't the strength. It wasn't when he was walking. It was when he was at the cross. That's the biggest. That was the exclamation point, right, on the word of God. I love that. So before we wrap up, I wanted you to just... Share if you could share with one person that's going through, you know, dealing with MS at any level, whether it's their own journey or they've been impacted in some way by someone. You know, what would be that one piece of advice that you could give them to encourage them to continue to move forward? The first thing that comes to mind, and the the key thing that I know has been key for me, is you're not in it by yourself it's grasp on to something that is solid for you. My faith is solid for me. The word of God is solid for me. And along with that 
comes my husband, comes my daughters and my sons-in-law, comes my friends, because that's where they're grounded as well. So if I'm drowning, I'm going to reach for the thing that is steady, for the thing that is going to hold me and pull me out of that drowning situation. So that's the key, Madeline. It's really about grasp on to what is assured. And in my life, the assurity that I get is from the truth of God. Amen. Amen. I love that. Well, I know you're doing a lot of amazing things and your heart is to disciple others. And because of what you've been through in the last five years, there is a sense of urgency for you to bring some of these things uh, forward, projects and dreams. You know, I know you're a big dreamer, so am I. But also to leave, like you said, a concrete legacy for your daughters and your grandchildren and anybody else that is looking for encouragement and hope. Tell us and tell people that are listening, you know, how they can connect with Daisy Altieri. Um, I gladly do that. I actually am connected to social media through Facebook and Instagram. So it's at DS Altieri. I just finished a series, a Bible study series uh, during the month of May in search of her. So if you want to do hashtag his word, her story, I also have a website. It's titled ratedgdiscipleship.com. And in that is the email and the opportunity to email me at ratedgdiscipleship at gmail.com. So I'd love to start conversation with people and, you know, whatever questions you might not have asked out loud of people, Mm -hmm. I welcome people to do that. Ask me what, you know, how did I do this? Are there specific things that were really helpful to you? Were there things that it really inspired you? What was the most difficult time, you know, because MS is a part of my story, um, but it's not all of my story. And I, I love story. God welcomed us and invited us into his story. I also last year started my revisions on my first book, and it's actually a collection of reflections, which is really about daily living, daily living. But how can we find God's truth in our daily, uh, what might seem really ordinary experiences, Mm -hmm. but God's truth is to be found. So it has a title and it's Truth Happens Daily. I am also a clinician, mental health clinician, and preparing this summer, a lot of my work will be in preparing to launch my private practice. I dabbled in it, but at the end of this year, I plan to completely launch into that realm of what God has prepared me to do and how to serve his kingdom. That is amazing. I am so excited that you are going to be doing all of these things. You know, it proves that even though you go through these difficult things in life and these journeys, and like, I love what you said that MS is just like one small part of Mm. your journey and the adversity that you faced during a season. and, And you are just so much better and so much stronger for it, but that you have not allowed that to stop you from continuing to do what God is calling you to do and to continue to minister 
and just be a servant, you know, because at the end of the day, everything that you're doing is to serve people. And I pray right now that God will just continue to use you to bless your private practice, because obviously you've got that little entrepreneur bug in you, which I love. I love supporting entrepreneurs and women. And I just pray that God continues to bring healing to your body so that you can do all of the things that he's calling you to do so that when your daughters look back, they can say, wow, look at my amazing mother and your husband. Look at my amazing wife. And I know they already know that, (laughs) but that will continue to go on. And thank you for your transparency. And I look forward, Daisy, to having you back and sharing the part two of your MS journey. But Again, to talk about all the amazing things that you're going to be doing for the Lord and how he's going to continue to bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Madeline. Be blessed. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.